All right. Welcome to Fight the Light. Oh, no. No, no. Light the Fight. You always mess up the name. I think you do it on purpose. <laughs> well, today was one of those days. You've ever had one of those days where you're like, today I'm fighting the light. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a really good pity party for myself. It was so good. I took it to the streets. I had to have a pity parade. <laughs> Working on my parade, waving. And um, yeah, unfortunately, like most pity parties, not as many people as I invited showed up. Uh, plenty of people acted to let me know they didn't care. That was a good humbling experience for me. But Light the Fight podcast, not Fight the Light podcast. I'm one of the two of your hosts, David Kozlowski. And with me as always... Heidi Swap. Happy to be here. <laughs> mother, entrepreneur, Mom-trepreneur. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And I did come to your petty party. Well, thank you. You know, I showed up to yours too. I know. We so, sort of had it combined. So this is how our podcast works. We have deep crying, personal therapy sessions for one another inside of this room. And then we go, oh, let's start recording now that we've got all the poison out of the building. <laughs> so you're getting the better version of us, not the emotional, insecure version that was happening in this room 15 minutes prior. So we're back now. Well, and I, I had to admit that, nor I, I admitted that normally I drive totally quiet. I like to be able to think. My car is kind of my vessel. <laughs> it's kind of where I do my best thinking. And um, that's probably why I'm such a terrible driver if you're like driving behind me or something. It's because I'm like deep in thought. But today, man, I just like jammed on the music all the way here so that I would yeah. dull the senses a little or I don't know, dull the... That, it, it really does kind of work though. It does. Like just listening to some... You always talk about like what's your hype song and... Um, you kind of forget how great it feels just to like tune, roll up, roll down the, the windows and turn up the tunes. And so that, you know, there's a coping mechanism there somewhere, I think. <laughs> well, I'm glad you found it because music is a great way to help you feel things. Sometimes it helps you have feelings you don't want to feel. Like if a song that reminds you of an exit broke your heart comes on, obviously that's not something you'd always want to feel. But sometimes if... You want to feel courageous and ready to take on the world. You got to I just gotta wanted to song. feel Michael Jackson. That's I that's was just good. like I was just singing some Michael Jackson. That's makes you just makes you happy. That's my 6-year-old my 6th grade self. <laughs> I love it. What 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 songs were you listening to? What, I like that album or I like the I like the number one's album and so you know that PYT song that's yeah, my yeah, favorite PYT. one. <laughs> so if you need a good you know jam, that's get yourself some MJ PYT. <laughs> MJ, anyway mj's mj's the man he's, he's classic so well um heidi uh before we started talking you had a, a topic a conversation piece so to speak so why don't you go and introduce uh what we're going to be talking about today uh like only you can do it you just go you know what i was talking to these people and, <laughs> and by the way everything that heidi um comes in to discuss for us to have a topic about the podcast it's not like she has to do like a lot of research all week long and like try to think of something. And didn't we agree that we will never run out of episode material? We have agreed. Okay. We've agreed that that would be the case. I, in in fact, my list just get keeps getting long. I just keep adding episode content to the list. Um, so I guess one thing I want to say is, is number one, thank you to you guys who are listening to our listeners. Um, some of you know me personally and i'm trying to decide and still friends with you <laughs> well yeah because they feel bad for me have they given you the look 
They gave him the, <laughs> like, the look like, how I had no you? idea. Are you okay? Like, <laughs> I was worried about you before. Now I'm really worried. Now I'm worried. really worried. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was trying to decide. Uh, anyway, I appreciate you listening and I appreciate your comments. And most of all, I appreciate the encouragement. The encouragement that comes in the form of emails and direct messages and even texts and even just conversations in the Costco parking lot. <laughs> so um, thank you for the encouragement. I, I, I am not immune to the feelings that that are that surface and that's there and that that this certainly amplifies for me. Um, but hearing that it's been supportive and strengthening to those of you who are listening or, or even that you know it it's come into your mind i appreciate those of you who have shared it i keep hearing you know i i've told everybody i know and i just want to thank you guys because um the word is spreading and and obviously i'm not going to tell you what i hope because i get in trouble for that but I'm thankful. <laughs> I'm thankful for the shares. Um, okay, so I had several different experiences um, in this last week from different people approaching me in real life, people that I know, talking to me about the about what they're listening podcast. And um, in several of the conversations I've had, this same thing comes up. And I think it falls right in line with questions and concerns and experiences and responses that I've had um, as, as my own, with my own freakouts. So here was the thing. As we talk, you know, we've talked in several of these episodes about be careful about that we respond and not react. We talk about keeping our body language and our face like chill and, and, and not saying that you're calm but then freaking out with your body or your expression and I have had several people say to me you know how, how do I discipline my kid how do I hold my kids feet to the fire or how does my kid know if I'm mad or if they're in trouble if I don't fly up the handle if I don't show them that if I don't get mad how do I discipline my kid or keep my kid in line and um, and then, you know, kind of every time, because I'm not David, I'm always like, yeah, I don't know. I'll ask, <laughs> I'll ask, ask David. And I know that for me, and, and it was a couple of years ago, really soon after Corey died, and, and the parents in the rugby team, the rugby team that... Um, all the kids knew Corey and Colton and Eric is the coach and I'm around all the time and a lot of the kids on the team boys that teenage boys that were struggling with different things at different levels and um and sitting on the sidelines you have a lot of time to chat with the parents and so there was a lot of that chatting and I remember there's there's one mom that in particular had just really sensitive kids that were struggling with emotional depression and anxiety and, and and I remember telling her that my therapist had said you know Heidi you've got to just chill you've got to just bring it it down don't 
And, and I was, I remember specifically um, driving home from you saying, Heidi, you've got to chill in, in relation to, and, and if you listen to one of our past episodes, the motivations episode, I think it's number seven. I think it was right around that time that I was really mad at Colton for the car and the suit. And, and I was thinking to myself as I drove home, I need to, I need to make hats that say just (laughs) chill, or maybe I need a necklace that says just chill. And, and I had, and I'd shared that sentiment with this mom and be, because if you can bring down that anger and, and, and know that you don't have to freak out that you can take kind of that emotion out of the situation. Um, but some of the, some of the things that parents have shared with me in the last week about things that made them mad, that they weren't able to control their anger. And in fact, I'm going to take it one step further, felt a responsibility to be angry and to, and to show their child how angry they were, whether that was raising their voice. Um, and I'm not talking about like a shame trigger like we've talked about before. I'm talking about like you knew this was unacceptable and then really just losing your temper. And so I wanted to kind of talk about that because you can't just let your kids walk all over you. You can't just be like, you know, I got another notification from the school that you that you weren't in your classes today, but it's okay. I mean, it's cool. I don't want to. I don't want you to be upset. <laughs> you, you know, like that's not going to work either. And I know we've talked about authoritative parents not working, and and about being your best friend doesn't work. But how do you? You still got to be the authority. The authority, right? And 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 so I I, I feel like. There's also some questions that came in that kind of address the same thing. I think that as parents start to really think about, okay, so I'm not supposed to get mad and I can't show my anger or my disappointment. You know, so us parents are starting to question everything we learned our whole entire life from our parents, which is good because that's the whole point of this. (laughs) But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that too, even though if you do follow me on Instagram and you did see like I posted a little video of, of Quincy and a friend and they, and they broke a light and, and they were so afraid that I was going to be mad and it didn't even really upset me. And then I was like, should I have been mad? <laughs> And maybe I'm just getting chill. I don't know. So, so I guess that's my that's my problem that I've gone out and I've sourced and brought back here to Did some due diligence <laughs> to discuss. Um, no, it's a valid concern. When we spoke uh, at the first responder event, I, I made clear that the biggest uh, criticism I have when I talk to people about making very clear statements instead of bombarding with people a bunch of questions. And then um, checking your body language to make sure that your body language isn't over the top. 
Um, a lot of people say, well, how can I ask questions? So I'm just supposed to sit there and be okay with everything my kid says. Like, I can't show any emotion or anger. That's actually not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I could see why people would take it to, to that extreme. But what I'm meaning is that if your body language is the body language of someone that just watched um, five people die in a car accident, but your kid came home 15 minutes late, I would say that you have to watch your body language to make sure that your body language isn't overshooting and you're the parent who cried wolf. Mm. How are you supposed to be taken serious when you are mad and when you, when you are upset, when you go to that place with very little um, you know, instigation? Just doesn't take you a lot to get there. Um, and so with you know, the whole statements and questions and people feeling like you know, they have to be passive to do this, um, no, because when we talked about being a first responder, you want to act like a first responder. I don't think that fire and police and EMTs, when they walk up, that they're passive. They don't say, hey, uh, we're really here to help and we're hoping that you're gonna allow us to help you right now so you don't die. No, they walk up and they're very assertive. They look in the eyes, say, here's what's going on, here's the situation, and then they start getting to work. I tell people, and this is what I caution people, if you've listened to our other podcasts and you're battling or just grappling a little bit with the concept of having to almost seem submissive to your teenager. I'm not saying that you need to treat them like they're a child and you can't raise your voice or anything. I'm just saying that from my experience, the more you blow up, the less you follow up. Okay, that what, feels like a rhyme. That, and what that means is that... <laughs> that, that, that feels like oh. I got to cue people in the fact that that was just uh, something to, to put into the brain. I've never heard this one. So the, less, the more you blow up, the less you're likely you are to follow up with any real consequences or in establishing any actual consistency in your parenting. Just because you've kind of let emotion take over and... Well, and yeah, we're human beings. So as human beings, when we get highly emotional, you know what happens to our logical processing and our ability to have rational thought? It goes the opposite direction. Then we come back to a logical situation, realizing that, yeah, we were really emotional, but now we're so tired, we get all that energy out. It's not even, sometimes you don't even feel bad, you're just, it's less of an emergency. So you're less likely to follow up with it. So blowing up is easy to do. Reacting is easy to do. Putting yourself in check so that you can be available to have a connection and a new relationship with your teenager or your loved one, that's just a different mindset. You're just thinking about it all differently. If you're a parent that wants to be right and you feel that in order for your kid to learn any lessons, you gotta hold their feet to the fire and you are gonna take on that challenge and you're gonna go toe to toe with them, good luck, because last time I checked, if you're in your 40s or even 50s, they're gonna out-energy you all day long. They're going to win that battle. So you're already going to lose in the energy department. And then they got you in another, in another battle. You gave birth to them and you love them way more than they'll ever love you. So they got you there. You care more than they care. They want to make you happy. They want you to pl be pleased by you. But they have other teenage friends saying, hey, my parents are mean too. They have a support system. They have people coming to their pity parties. Plenty of people come to their pity parties when it comes to parents. 
So if you want to have a better relationship with your teenager and you want to be able to hold your teenager's feet to the fire, be less emotional, blow up less, and you'll find out you're more likely to follow up with the consequences of them not going to school. The consequences, when you have to make a statement to your child, let's say your child skipped class three times just that week, like just totally slept three classes. You get the call from the school. Your natural reaction is like, oh my gosh, they lied. They said they're there. And you start getting all worked up. But then you think about our podcast. You say, okay, they said the, the, the more I blow up, the less I'm going to follow up. Do you want to follow up with your kids' consequences? Do you want to be a consistent pillar of structure for them so they know regardless of their emotions, they can be mad at you all day long and they still got to do their chores? Like they don't have to like like everything that you're saying to them. So if this kid skipped three classes, if the school calls you up, tells you what happens, you remember what you're listening to this podcast, make some statements, don't ask a bunch of questions, and you don't have to be passive. When your kid comes home, let's say a kid's little Johnny, say little Johnny, just want to let you know, um, I did get a call from your school. I'm sure you have plenty of your own reasons and stuff like that for why you missed these classes. Um, if you do, I'd love to hear it from you. Um, however, you know our rule. If you slough a class, every class you slough, here's the consequence. You know, a phone without a day or you can't use the car or whatever. So, um, yeah, you can tell me about all, all the reasons why you didn't miss it. But I just want to remind you that, you know, that's the consequence. Just let them know. The body language that I'm portraying, if you could see this, it's a matter of fact. It's not, you need to pay for what you did. You ruined my day. No, your kid probably wouldn't hang out with some of his friends because they didn't want to be in, in math class. They weren't trying to ruin your day. Us as parents, we got to remove our own individual hopes, wants, and dreams away from the reality. The reality of it is, in any relationship, if a person sees you follow through with what you say you're going to follow through with and you're consistent, they know what to expect. But if you're consistently getting angry and frustrated and you're trying to question them and get them to submit and get them to admit that they had a problem. All you did was you taught that teenager how to submit, how to surrender. You didn't teach them how to be successful with independent living skills. You didn't teach them that your consequence will come when it comes. I'm not going to force it upon you because I'm angry. It's like, hey, you took a shot. You got caught. You know, here's your consequences. I'd be happy to hear your story. Listen to their story. Okay, cool. Well, am I out of trouble? No, you're still in trouble. I still love you. You're still in trouble. You learned a lesson. Moving on. That's, that's what I'm saying as far as like, you can be stern, you can be direct, but to be angry and to be upset, now you just make it personal. Which I think... You don't have to learn a lesson because someone... It's like the only way I'm going to learn not to make a mistake is someone's got to hate me in the process. That's not a requirement. And so do teenagers stop taking you serious if they know you're not going to fly off the handle? Well, they stop taking you serious if you fly off the handle all the time. That's a fact. I've said this before on other of our podcasts. can't remember which ones I've said this on. I've never seen anyone flip out and lose their cool in public grocery store anywhere and people pull out notepads like, oh my gosh, I got to take notes. How did they do that? <laughs> like that was so creative with their curse words and how they insulted that person. And like, wow, they just really know how to lose their emotions. <laughs> and, and wow, it looks so ugly. And like no one takes notes how to mimic an emotionally unstable person. <laughs> so if you're trying to mirror right. for your teenagers how to be emotionally unstable, if you're sitting here saying, my teenager is so dramatic and so emotional, 
Okay, well, how much of that, and I don't know, this would just be something you could ask yourself, how much of their emotional instability is coming from their hormones and they're a teenager, and how much of it is it coming from they learn from the best? <laughs> you showed them how to well, do it. I can tell you that as a teenager. By the way, this is not a criticism. I don't know who you are listening to this. I'm just saying just that's just something you'd have to ask yourself. And if you feel that you actually have modeled for them how to fly off the handle more than you've modeled for them how to rationalize, process information, and come up with, you can be angry and upset, but then come up with a clear, concise solution versus getting all emotional about it. I can tell you that when my dad would, growing up, if my dad got mad, he he would throw stuff, and 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 he, it might even be mad. He, it might be mad at one of us kids. It might be mad because he made a wrong cut on a on a sod table that he was working on, or you know, it could be anything. But when he was hucking <laughs> hucking something, man, I was scared, and so I didn't want. I knew I learned that I didn't want to ever bring anything to him that was going to make him mad. And so he could handle so much because I I was extremely, extremely good at covering up any like any rebellion that like I'm impressed with kids who openly rebel. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but like every ounce of rebellion that I had. It's like, wow, they have a lot of courage. Like they're just putting in so private and and I got caught a few times and it. It wasn't it wasn't pretty, but um. I think that it it is very interesting turn of the tides and and even just what you're talking about if you can show somebody that something can go wrong and you can still just deal with it calmly it kind of changes the whole dynamic of dealing with disappointment accidents problems you know and so and so we really could alter alter history really by changing that that process of flying off the handle well let's just look at the real life consequences of parents not getting better at this there's endless amounts of struggles and challenges your teenager can be going through even if you guys have a great relationship yeah now let's open up the door if you're at odds with each other, if you're frustrated with each other, if you don't have a connection, you don't have a, a good relationship, well, your teenager is going to have to get its information from life from other sources. You can either be the source that's honest and real and taking feedback and criticism from them, but also letting them know when they hurt your feelings and giving them you know, helpful criticism. If they don't like it, just tell them, hey, you know what? You don't have to like it. You have all the right to be mad at me, and I can also not like the way you treated me. This is a practice of a partnership. Our kids nowadays, from from where I'm sitting, would benefit a whole lot more from learning at an early age how to have a partnership with their parents because from the time of 18 to the time you die, you're equals anyways. Like There's a very short period of time in our life, if we live a full life, that we're going to be the kids of our parents. Like, yeah, we are for a while and then... You know, we're kind of like mooches for them, from them for the first couple years of adulthood, <laughs> pretending we're on our own, but we're really still needing them for lots of things. And then we become independent, and then the cycle repeats itself. Now they need us. Mm-hmm. A big transition that I'm seeing happening is a lot of people now at, at the older ages, 30, 40, 50, are starting to realize that, you know, they have a lot of resentment towards their parents. They have a lot of anger towards their parents. 
they have a lot of love and appreciation for what their parents gave them, but they're old enough to know now that's like, man, there were some things that were really highly unnecessary about my childhood. That we <laughs> that was that we're just like we could have learned those lessons a whole nother way, right? Um, and so now we have I think we're putting our, a lot of pressure on ourselves. All the parents I talk to, they put pressure on themselves. Most parents will tell me like very frustrating all their mistakes that they're frustrated that they wish they would have known this, but they didn't know it back then. When I first started counts doing my private practice, so this is not working with families. When I first started doing my private practice here in Utah 10 years ago, I heard a lot more of the first 15 minutes of our counseling sessions, them telling me all the amazing things they've done and little Johnny and little Susie were just still a, a nightmare. They were just, you know, hor- you know, they were just horrible kids. But, you know, we love them. They're sweet spirits, but, you know, they're, they're making our lives hell. Now I'm seeing more of a shift in the past 10 years of parents coming to me and say, hey, listen, I, I'm fearful to believe that the truth is I have a lot to do with my kids' issues right now. If you would ask me this two years ago, I'd have denied it, but I'm realizing, yeah, I, I, I didn't help them out in a lot of certain ways. And then they'll tell me they'll cry. I, that's, that's a cool place to start. Like just knowing that your armpits stink and you're a human being that puts your foot in your mouth without trying to make up any excuses for why you're doing that, just having complete ownership of, that's my bad, this is what I'm struggling with and I need to work on that and I'm hoping you can help me. Those are the parents and those are the people that when you listen to this podcast are ripe and ready to try new things. If you're one of the people who are still kind of like not really wanting to to change your behaviors and your approach, you would really, you're really more like you got all your money in on the, I hope they just magically wake up and change their attitude one day. <laughs> well, I have, I think I, I'm guilty yeah. of that. <laughs> well, a lot of parents say, oh, well, once I was an adult, I, I had a much better relationship with my kids. So I'm just waiting for them to be adult. I'm like, your daughter's 14. That's 40. <laughs> like, and they go, yeah, that's kind of a long time. I don't know if I can make it till then. So we all go through this this evolution where we start to self-reflect. What can we do better? And if you want to do better, just try these things knowing, like we said today, today's basic concept of it, we want to hold our kids' feet to the fire. We want to show them that they can't get away with this. And that can still not be the best way to do it. We can want those things because that would be fair. And I I think that you're saying... uh, You're saying... do, do you want to hold their feet to the fire? And and I think that that's part of this conversation and part of the conversations that people have, have been saying to me. As parents, it is part of your job to hold your kids accountable. Yes or no? You going to ask me that question? I'm asking you that question. Well, yeah. I mean, well, as yes, they're younger, right? absolutely, as they get older, the, the hope is that they start to do it for themselves. But yeah, that's part of your job, of course. Yeah. And so... You can either, you can either be mad and angry, and try to scare them, and and break them into accountability, or you can set like cognitive boundaries and realistic well, consequences the, and, and, and have it be a rational conversation when, when that accountability is not being met. As, as parents, we're leaders, we're influencers, we're, we're trying to steer the ship. 
And as parents, we realize that we need to have a significant amount of power over our kids. Now, let me explain this. When I mean power, I'm using the definition of power, meaning the ability to influence. So the power is really just another way of saying an ability to influence. We're talking about human relationships. Okay. Now, what you were just saying, I'm just describing, there's lots of ways to influence other human beings. Fear, intimidation, blackmail, bribery, um, you know, all different types of ways. But from my experience with parents and teenagers, the ones that really figure out healthy, growing, successful relationships, even in the earlier teenage years, are the ones that realize that the most long-lasting influence is when you allow someone else to first influence you. So the most powerful people allow the people that they're trying to have power over first influence them before they try to influence the other person. So it'd be like coming to someone and say, listen, it looks like you're mad at me, you're frustrated with me. I want you to tell me how you feel. I'm going to sit here, I'm going to take it, regardless how hard this is, because I care about you enough that I think it's important if you just let me know how you feel and I'm not going to interrupt you. After they realize you're being serious and a teenager really goes for it and puts it out there, you start to find out they don't feel comfortable in this very honest space with you just inviting it. So they're almost like taking it really careful. Like a lot of teenagers, when they do this, the parents thought they were going to use all these horrible words, but the kids were actually really careful not to blow this opportunity. They want to be taken seriously. This is their shot. And then you as a parent, as you sit back and you listen to it and you hear it out when it's all said and done, there's this law of the land. And again, I can't remember if I said this in one of our podcasts before, but there's this law of the land with human beings. It seems as if, if someone's really taken the time to listen to you, consider your thoughts, your feelings, opinions, really weigh in, make the right statements and connect with you. When you're all said and done, you get it all out. Now when it's their turn to talk and they're going to share with you the things that are important to them, their thoughts, their feelings, their opinions, even if you don't agree and you don't want to hear it, there's this rule of the universe that says you got to kind of sit there and listen and consider what they're saying. Hmm. So what you're saying is if you give your kid that chance to kind of let you have it or commentary on your you as a person, that they'll be more open to you commentating to them. Yeah, but you have to use it like a tool. Again, people are going to take what I'm saying, so let me be very specific. I've heard this before. So, yeah, that's going to help. I just need to, every time my kid's mad at me and angry, I just go, okay, yeah, go ahead. Tell me all the things you hate about me. I go, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That You're talking about a surrender. You're talking about, like, fine, go ahead, say all these horrible things. I guess I'll never be good enough for you as a parent, right? You're talking about now you feel like, they're attacking you and they're making you feel ashamed. Here's what I'm saying. When there is no fight, when there is no argument, when there is no drama, you go to your kid. And like we talked about last time, saying I've learned more from you than anyone else. Fact. Right. Okay. I want to be better. I want to have a better relationship with you. Please do me a favor. If you have any issue with me whatsoever, please come to me about it. If you don't feel comfortable or if you think I can't handle it, try writing it down, texting me. And just let me know that it's something you just want to share that we don't even have to have a conversation about. You just want to start talking about this. The best conversations happen after someone trusts that you can handle all the stuff they're dealing with. So letting someone just tell you their frustrations and anger, if that could give enough of the relief valve so that when you do have a conversation, it's a nice back and forth. I let them influence me. 
they let me influence them. Then next thing you know, you can have a conversation about difficult subjects. If you start off with, hey, someone has a different opinion, like the teenager says, my parents, they have a different opinion on a certain political view. They will not like it if I tell my political view, and so I can't share it with them. We don't get better at having relationships that are struggling and tough if you can't talk to people about things that make you struggle and things that are tough. So if parents model for their kids not blowing up a lot, following through with the things that they say they're going to follow through with, then the kids don't see any disciplinary action that comes against them as ultimately personal. It's just part of the deal. If parents go over the edge, get really emotional, yeah, you can feel vindicated because you let your kid know they feel, but you're modeling for them that you can get really angry and upset and then they can really feel bad about themselves and they're not learning from that. Yeah, that that's an interesting, I mean, it's such a, it's so different than how I, I grew up and how, from what I know of your, of your very, very different from <laughs> childhood. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that whole, like, I feel like, like I'm required to be mad um, because that's what was modeled basically for us. What, what a humongous change. And I would imagine what a significant change in self-esteem to some degree, I mean, we're not going to fix body image by not, getting, you know, like, like self-esteem has like all these things, but. Real quick, let me say something. How much do you think as a parent, you feel, because you've had this experience, when you're, you are so worked up, you're so angry, and the moment you can talk yourself through it, so when you show up and talk to your kid, you're calm, you're responding, and you're not making this 10 times worse than it really is because you're angry about it. The confidence that a parent gets, you feel like you're a leader. It's You feel yeah. like you are capable of handling stress instead of the person that's only capable of having stress. If you got a PhD in being stressed, okay, congratulations. <laughs> now let's get a PhD in handling the stress. Right. Okay, getting it easy, handling it and managing it and turning it into positive relationship experiences, that's a whole nother level of the game. And that's why the, the conversations that we're having are just giving little pieces and tools of things that you and I both have learned um, throughout the years and in, in your personal experiences and my personal and professional experiences. That's all it is. We're just passing on different thought processes that have showed value in lots of different scenarios. So just at the very end, I, I, and, and I, I, like, I like this. The very end, I think, is it okay, is it, the best to just say, if, if you are in a situation, somebody, your, your child has done something, you feel a blow up coming on. Can you say, let's talk about this later? Does, like, is that the good coping tool? Because not every, like, it might take a couple times. Like it takes some practice to get to the point where you're not going to blow up because it's so second nature. Like, well, is I, that the best route? Um, I, I can tell you what would be a little bit more to that that's even better because some people, that's like the bare minimum. Just saying like, hey, you know, let's talk about this later. Because think about the person that you're saying that to. They don't know how to take that. They don't know like, okay, are you mad? Are you not mad? Whatever. I ask all parents to try this. And even if it's with your spouses, family, close interpersonal relationships, 
someone's pissed you off, you feel it boiling up, instead of saying, hey, let's talk about this later, say a little bit more. Say this. I tell you what, I really want to address this right now. I'm really angry. I'm really frustrated. However, I've learned that when I'm angry and frustrated, I tend to make things a whole lot worse. So to save this from getting worse, let's talk about this later so I don't make it a bigger issue than it really is. Well, you think your teenager that thinks you're dramatic anyways is going to disagree with that? <laughs> They'll be like, high five. Let's talk about it later. But like I said, the less you blow up, the more likely you are to follow up. Meaning because if you just say, let's talk about this later, then that teenager just goes into like defensive, freaky, sitting in the corner, rocking back and forth. I don't know what's going to happen. But if you know that you've, if they know, look, I'm not, I don't want to freak out on you right now. So then, then, then you're telling them, I need a little time to take this down a notch so that we can do a better job. Yeah, but I always tell people to take ownership and ability. It's like, hey, you know, like I need some more time because I don't want to make this worse. Obviously, I'm mad, but I don't want to make it personal and blame you for me being mad. Just take it like take. Hey, this is me. Because if you say I need more time, it's like, okay, now it could be really interpreted, easily interpreted. I mean that, okay, they're in trouble. What's the problem? Now they're stewing. Now when you go back, okay, I'm calm and ready and relaxed. They've been stressed out for three hours wondering what you're going to talk about. <laughs> and you're like, why is this going bad? I okay, took plenty of time to calm down. It's so true because I have tried the technique of, okay, let's wait. And yeah, you're ready. it doesn't ready. feel any better when you come back. <laughs> they didn't give you the green light. You just gave yourself the green light. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Okay, I like that. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So to all you um, freaker outers, co-freaker outers, or fellow Oh, real quick. I was going to add one more thing too. So with the whole entire, um, the, the less you blow up, or, you know, less blow up, more follow up. More blow up, less follow up. No, it goes both ways. So the less you blow up, the more follow up you're going to have. Okay. The more you blow up, the less follow up you're going to okay. have. Okay. It's like a teeter totter. When someone has a drawn out crying battle, like it starts out as fight and then it goes to tears and after you hug and you make up and then there's such an emotional vulnerability hangover, four hour conversation, everybody's tired and exhausted, nothing changed, nothing got resolved. You just went from feeling horrible to feeling guilty to now feeling not as scared because they're hugging you for a moment. Nothing changed. Who's got energy to be doing that all the time? You're not going to follow up with any real consequences and life skills training when you're just teaching your kid, we're really good at blowing up, crying, hating each other, forgiving each other, and then press and repeat. That was my family. My family cried and fought more than they just hung out and just talked. Like It was just these huge extremes. So cried, fought, or laughed and played games. It was like those like super happy or super like fist fights. Well, they were playing that constant blow up. Now they can't follow up. I used to always make a joke. I was only grounded one time in my whole entire childhood. I was grounded from surfing for a week. It's one that my dad followed up with. The other ones, instead of being grounded, my mom would physically discipline me, feel bad about it, cook me my favorite meal, buy me some clothes that my dad couldn't afford to pay with. And then it just, just repeated that cycle. Her shame was, I'm a bad mom. I'm not doing a good job. I'm hurting him physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is. So let me baby him and pamper him. He doesn't have to do his laundry. I went to college. I never did my laundry. Like that's, that's embarrassing. <laughs>
And we were poor. So it's like I was the poor kid with the mom slave that was slaving solely out of guilt and shame that she <laughs> treated me bad the night before. So she's either the best mom or the worst mom. It just depended on the day. And this is admittedly so. You know, she's like, I know I do this. I'm sorry. You know, point is, we don't want to live in those extremes. So we don't want to blow up so quickly because then, then we just have the energy sometimes to follow up. All right. So let's all dial down our blow ups and uh, chill a little more and uh, listen to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pretty young thing, was it? Yep. PYT. All right, you guys. Thank you again for listening in on my therapy session here at Light the Fight. Um, you know, get out there and, uh, and bring it down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. And until next time.